4: Welcome to The Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right here on the Talkstar Radio Network and our fine and growing family of broadcast affiliates across Canada. The United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, 24 Asian countries, and across Europe. If you'd like to give us a call, our toll-free number is 1-877-528-8255. That is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com and our two websites, www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com. The X-Zone truly is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. And today is Thursday, November the 5th in the year 2009, and on this date in history in 1605, the plot by Guy Fawkes to blow up the English Parliament failed. In 1875, Susan B. Anthony was fined $100 for trying to vote in a presidential election. Legendary cowboy star Roy Rogers was born way, way back in 1911. He appeared in more than 100 films, starring in 87 of them. He also starred in his own NBC series for six years, from 1951 to 1957, with his wife, Dale Evans, and here are some Roy Roger facts and trivia from tvcrazy.net. He was the only man voted in to the Country Music Hall of Fame twice. He was elected to the Country Music Hall of Fame in 1980 as a member of the original Sons of the Pioneers and in 1988 as an individual artist. The first movie Roy appeared in was Way Up Thar in 1935. Through the 40s and 50s, Roy Rogers was the number one Western star at the box offices for 12 straight years. At one time, Roy Rogers was second only to Walt Disney in a souvenir sales and licensing. It It was while making the 1944 film Cowboy and the Senorita that Roy first met Dale Evans. They would be married three years later, 14 months after the death of Roy's first wife, Arlene. And let me see, Roy wasn't allowed to kiss Dale Evans in the movies. His horse, Trigger, appeared in all films and TV shows that Roy Rogers starred in. In 1965, when Trigger died at the age of 33, Roy had him stuffed and put in Roy and Dale's museum. And finally, Roy died at the age of 86 in 1998, and Dale recently passed away at the age of 88. Roy and Dale appeared in 35 movies together plus their TV show, and we're together for 51 years. God bless them. Tatum O'Neill turns 46 today. She took the long way up. Singer Brian Adams hits the big five-zero today. Basketball Hall of Famer, uh, let me see, Bill Walton turns uh, 57. Peter Noon of Herman's Hermits turns 62. And Dark Garfunkel of Simon and Garfunkel. Is sixty-eight years old today, and if you're celebrating your birthday today, a very happy birthday to you, from everyone here at the X Zone Radio Show, X Zone TV Show, Paragators, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the X Chronicles newspaper, and of course, the Talkstar Radio Network and our family of broadcast affiliates. On tonight's show, we're going to be speaking to Craig Webb about dreams. Doyle Flowers will be talking to us about the end times, and J.J. Hertak and his wife, Desiree, will be joining me to discuss what they found was happening down in the South Pole. And if you don't think global warming is real, stay tuned. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is The Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, and... Uh, I'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break with Craig Webb discussing dreams here on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to send an email, exone@talkstarradio.com, and you can always give us a call here at the Exone Studios, 1-800-610-7035. That's one 800 610 7035. I'll be back in two minutes as we commence for tonight, Thursday, November the fifth, two thousand nine, right here on Talkstar.
0: Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is gonna help you take your mind off your team for a moment.
4: And welcome back to The Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you live from our studio in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Talkstar Radio Network. If you'd like to give us a call, 1-877-528-8255. That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. Email exone at com, On MSN Messenger, Radio at com, And our websites, com and... XZoneTV.com. My guest this hour is Craig Webb, and we're talking about dreams. And if you'd like to find out more about Craig and the great work that the, Craig and his uh, research uh, people do, visit their website at www.dreams.ca. That's www.dreams.ca. Craig, bad dreams, recurring dreams, nightmares, what are they all about? Why do people dream they're being chased, and they're falling. And do all the actions in a dream have a psychological explanation, or is it just one of the great mysteries of life we haven't been able to decode yet?
5: Hmm. A good one. You picked some pretty common worldwide themes there: the chase dreams and falling dreams. Uh, about eighty-one point five percent of people have had chase dreams. One study shows. But uh, in my also, uh, sort of general research when I do mm-hmm. talks and sort of ask for a raising of hands. Usually, about four out of five people. So it seems to even prove true across culture there's these archetypal themes. Uh, and I don't always support the dictionary A equals B approach, but uh, there are some pretty common psychological equivalents to the archetypal or the universal themes like chases, following. Now, people can check out the website, again, you mentioned dreams.ca, but there, there's an article on there called Nightmares, Lucky You. <laughs> now, why lucky would you. why would
4: somebody who's having a nightmare be classified as lucky?
5: Yeah, precisely, sort of to catch people's attention. But lucky in the way that, let's say, if and you're driving along in your car, the oil light goes off, mm-hmm. uh, you're lucky to have the warning. You're lucky to see the signal that there's something wrong with the engine. And it might cost $50 for an oil change or for a checkup rather than if the light never came on, you know, 200 miles down the road, uh, $500 for a whole new engine or, or even worse, maybe an accident. Let's hope not. But the oil light is kind of like the nightmares or the unpleasant dreams or the recurring dreams uh, coming to us from the subconscious and, you know, something's out of balance. Mm-hmm. Something from the past hasn't been integrated or we have a recurring lesson or sometimes even warning dreams or sort of premonitions of. There's a big choice coming up soon, and if you, you know, continue on your current course of action, there's going to be a really upsetting ending. Wake up with a nightmare, something like
4: that. So how much faith should, like how much faith should we actually put into our nightmares, into our dreams, or should we just look at them as our mind's way of entertaining us when we've got nothing better to do than sleep?
5: Hmm. Well, it depends a little on the feeling in the dream. Mm-hmm. If it's a pleasant dream, that could be just a nightly movie kind of. In- bringing us a little break from some of our challenges in daily life. But I would strongly encourage anyone who has a nightmare, and especially recurring dreams, you know, just like a course in school, if we didn't pass it, it's coming again, we have to take it over. That's kind of what recurring dreams are. And uh, it's really important to look at it. Or Otherwise, these teams that, you know they're just playing out in their dreams for a while. Nightmares are recurring dreams end up having to become louder so we really get the message. And they show up as, you know, broken uh, relationships or a job that we keep losing because of certain dynamics with the boss. Or sometimes they show up as health problems. In fact, one job that's been interesting recently is uh, cancer has been linked with certain types of demonic and other specific dream themes a few years before. So... If it's not integrated or sort of looked at, or if we don't... But what's the ratio?
4: Product, you know, what are, the, what are the statistics? Do the statistics actually uh, validate this claim, or is this just a pseudoscience way of looking at the possibilities of?
5: Uh, no, well, I can validate it anecdotally with many customers and clients, but the actual numbers are still being nailed out in a study mm-hmm. done by, I believe, Wendy Pena and Tallulah Lyons. Where they have a number of subjects who are working with cancer patients and tracking all the dreams that they have and comparing it to a sample of people who haven't had cancer. So the challenge is that it's not always the same theme, but one predominant theme seems to be demonic or very upsetting dreams with like a devil or a very strong kind of negative energy of a demon or something like that. So how do we explain
4: demon- How do we how do we explain demonic dreams? What is the catalyst for someone? having a demonic dream or does this work into their into their childhood psyche where they were actually told and they've been lear- they've learned that uh, a demonic experience or a demonic presence in a dream means A, B, C, D, and D? Or is it just something we really don't know what what it's what it's significant or what it's tied to? Yeah. Well, it's
5: definitely true. We don't know everything about them our dreams, otherwise we'd probably all be masters. Mm-hmm. It could even be something as simple as they saw some bad horror movies and they didn't really integrate the the feelings they had through those. But uh, there is one interesting connection. So I think it's a bit of fuzzy logic, but there's some trends and it's worth pointing out. Even the word evil, you know, as we spell it out in English, if you turn the letters around and spell it backwards, it spells the word live. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a nice little truth there. It kind of shows that in most cases, it's some type of perception or it's our way of using emotional energy uh, inefficiently or judging other people, and we might be looking at our own stuff. So we project out, you know, demonic or upsetting or annoying or frustrating on another person, and we end up with sort of demon dreams where we could just be uh, integrating our own emotions better and probably not get cancer in a few years. I want to say it with a lot of empathy because it's not obvious, but something to look at anyway.
4: Tell me, Craig, uh, with all the different dream books that are available in bookstores, everywhere, as well as on the Internet. How would one know which book to pick if they want to interpret their own dreams?
5: Hmm. Well, as I mentioned, I don't usually encourage the dream dictionary Mm -hmm. style too strongly. Uh, Some are better than others. If they go for the universal themes or some universal symbols, that can be helpful. I would encourage folks to always follow their own best wisdom as much as possible. You know, take input from whatever sources they're inspired by, but to keep their judgment. I think it was a, a Sufi maxim that says, "Only a fool takes the words of another over his own experience."
4: So a lot of people mind, who, uh, a lot of people who we've talked to over the years always talk about the dream that they have, where they're standing in front of a large mass of people, naked. Why is this dream? A common dream. Like, I don't think there's one person listening tonight who has not had that dream.
5: That's usually about a little under half, towards a third of people have had that one. So I've had that one. You ever had that one, Rob? I sure have. Yeah. And the interesting element of that dream, which most people don't know, usually until I point it out is rather naked at work or, or sometimes scantily clothed or just mm-hmm. in their underwear, uh, is that the other people in the dream don't seem to mind, or sometimes they don't even notice that we're naked, but we're really self-conscious, right? Have you noticed that? Uh, yes. Yeah, and uh, it sort of points to the lesson or the insight that the dream is offering, if we get the message. That is, we're really self-conscious. We're feeling exposed, kind of naked, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. In some situations, the setting of the dream usually says where, at our work or maybe at school or maybe in our relationships, but we're feeling exposed and publicly kind of embarrassed when we don't need to because the other people not noticing says, hey, you know what? It's only us viewing ourselves that way. Actually, why don't we just feel natural and feel good about it? That's what the dream's coming to say.
4: You know, another dream that uh, many people discuss, uh, Craig, is a dream that they fly uh, in their sleep. And uh, we have to take a, another uh, break here, Craig. But when we come back, I'd like to talk to you about dreams in which people fly, and I, for one, can actually have a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream and know full well that these are just dreams I'm having, and when that happens, boy, do I ever have a lot of fun. Craig, stand by. Craig Webb is our special guest. He is a professional dream analyst. His website is www.dreams.ca, www.dreams. C-A. If you'd like to give us a call, 1-877-528-8255. Now, that is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. You can always call the X-Zone Radio and TV show head office in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. The 1-800 number is 1-800-610-7035. Our website, www.xzoneradio.com. And you can always send an email, exone at talkstarradio.com. Exonation, Craig Webb and I will return discussing one of the most fascinating topics. Dreams. Everybody dreams. Let's try and find out what more we can add to the little knowledge that we have about dreams with Craig Webb on the other side of this commercial break. Right here on Talkstar. After all, this is truly a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Don't go away. We're going to start talking about dreamings and strange, wonderful dreams that people have. And maybe try and find out what they mean. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this break.
5: Oh
4: Welcome back to the x everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. Craig Webb is our special guest. We're talking about dreams, .dreams www.dreams.ca. That's www.dreams.ca. Craig, what is the earliest um, reference that has been made in history pertaining to the investigation and analysis of dreams? Hmm, That's a good one. Well, uh, the Asclepian Dream
5: Healing Temples uh, not described too much in Western literature, unless you look for it. But uh, they would start, I think, somewhere around 1600 uh, before Christ. And uh, people would come, usually from all around the Mediterranean, Mediterranean not just Greece, from even North Africa or different countries, and take dreams very seriously. They'd walk on long pilgrimages mm-hmm. or, I guess, big donkey rides, etc., to the temples where they'd have huge healing dreams. Some of the things were written down in other languages. In uh, the Egyptian hieroglyphics, seems to be quite a bit of references to different practices, including dreaming. Uh, a lot of the religious texts, the Bible, the Koran, uh, Kabbalah, seem to all have connections with dreams. So. I think most of the world traditions, let's say, so it's kind of a universal experience that has going, been going on well before writing and well before media ever came around.
4: Craig, before we went to the break, we were talking about uh, some of the different facets that people have in dreams. For example, being chased or attacked, falling, unable to move, run, or scream, being naked in yeah. public. And and what is the significance of flying in a dream? Is that, uh, is that a normal dream that people have? Is that an out-of-body experience? Is it connected with another part of the Uh, of the the paranormal, why do people fly in their dreams, and what's the significance?
5: And you mentioned that you've had that type of dream. Yes,
4: I I, I have those quite often.
5: And I think the significance, well, this might seem like a strange question, but this seems to be my best answer. And that is, do you remember how you feel in your flying dreams?
4: Yes, I do. I feel as if I'm totally free. There's nothing that I cannot do.
5: Like exhilarated perspective, They're like a bird, really, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that is the most common experience for flying dreams. It's a small percentage where people are kind of running into telephone wires or not able to quite fly as fast or as high as far as they'd like to. But most people feel that great, rich sense of total freedom. So we might take it symbolically as freedom from gravity. <laughs> you know, even the wordplay of not feeling so much in the gravity of the situation. mm mm-hmm. But I think it's the deepest archetype for one of the deepest in our psyche to show, hey, you know what? We can be free of limits. We don't have to stay on Earth. We don't have to be stuck in the friction of our feet on the soil. It would be interested to know, Rob, that actually one of the precursors to flying dreams for many people is skating, sledding, uh, things like that, where the friction stops, but they're still on the Earth, and then they have a full-blown flying dream. Interesting answer. Eh?
4: Very much so, Craig, and and that that brings up a good question. How did you become interested in dreams and consciousness uh, exploration?
5: Oh, well, I had some of these powerful experiences, like you talked about the flying dreams that mm-hmm. sort of connect with freedom, and I had lots of nightmares. But it's actually, the the real thing I think that got my whole path going was I had a powerful near drowning experience. I got stuck under a whitewater raft without much air. And one of us had an experience of either dying or facing death right there. And then, pretty much all of a sudden, after that day, which I survived, fortunately, I started remembering up to 10 dreams a day. And well, after lunch, you know how, how they disappear kind of by the time you had breakfast or had mm-hmm. your shower or something? Yeah. We it going to lunch following days. And fortunately, with my science training, I guess, I was noting and collecting the data and realized, wow, there's some principles, there's some stuff going on here. I started having conscious dreams, lucid dreams, the ones like you talked about when you had your nest of dreams, and all kinds of strange experiences that I realized they're outside of my belief system or the, the way I look at the world, but I have to include it because it is my true experience. So ended up making a long story short, research at Stanford, and then creating the Dreams Foundation. and That's what a lot of the info uh, comes from uh, that's based on the website at dreams.ca.
4: Tell us about the Dreams Foundation.
5: Yeah, well, as I mentioned, it's kind of a culmination of kind of bridging the objective science I'd been trained on and trained with him, and then the first-person experience that I now call subjective science Mm -hmm. that I was having with all these interesting dreams after my near drowning. And uh, I wanted to get out to, to people, just like we're doing here on the show. I wanted to bring out some of the insights that I was getting on this journey of Hey, wow, this is up, off the beaten track, but you know what? It could be useful, practical. I was getting lots of insights about my health, about relationships, mm-hmm. and started doing more research and found out what the other people were, too. Dreams Foundation grew out of that to bring to the public uh, all the tools and different techniques, and mainly non pharmaceutical approaches to help people get healthier or even reach peak performance, answer questions, and improve their creativity, heal, uh, let go of unfinished business with loved ones, what have you.
4: What can you tell us, Craig, uh, about precognitive dreams, and how are we able, in a dream, to predict what's going to happen when the event hasn't happened yet?
5: Yeah, that's an interesting one, especially for the X zone here. Well, probably a good percentage, of my bet is at least three-quarters of the listeners have had some experience of dreaming something that later came true. Uh, because actually just in the general public, two out of three people it or not, two out of three people will say mm-hmm. that they've dreamt something strange. So, how does it happen? Well, that's quite a question. I don't think we have all the answers. But one thing I like to equate and remind people: is don't forget, dreams are coming to us from some type of perception outside of the physical senses. You know, our eyes are closed and we're sleeping, and mm-hmm. usually we're not moving, so our skins, our hearing's low, as our, is our smell and taste. So, the information that's coming in is beyond the physical senses, and really it's only the physical senses that are stuck within time, uh, maybe not even if we start exploring other consciousness states. But if we're getting info from outside physical senses, it might not be too much of a leap to realize we're actually getting info that can be free from time and space, as Einstein showed, or some of his pretty advanced principles. So, but the experience is true for lots of people. Do you remember any premonitions you've had?
4: Uh, yeah, there, there was one years ago. And I, I, was, I was dreaming I was in a city where there was uh, a lot of um, train tracks, train tracks, train tracks. And there was also uh, like a cattle distribution center where the what train, certain trains would bring in cattle. Other trains would then leave with cattle. And, and I remember I, I couldn't find my children. And it, this was quite an unsettling for me because I need to know where my kids are at all times. And... And, and I woke up crying, and that was the very day that the Oklahoma City bombing happened. Oklahoma oh. does have massive rail yards. It is a cattle distribution center, and as we know, a number of children lost their lives in that explosion. That was the very day.
5: Wow. Well, a few things are upsetting. A little empathy for you, because, you know, first person you tuned into, I guess, some of the emotional distraughts, and uh, a terrible event, but you've in mm-hmm. first person, I guess, because it was your children, right?
4: Yeah, you know, and, and since that time, I have not had a precognitive dream.
5: Huh? well, we might be onto something here, and I hope I'm not overanalyzing you, but I'll offer it because a lot of people run into sort of limitations. First off, some people are skeptic, and they don't believe mm-hmm. it's possible, so... We'll let people believe whatever they like. That's their prerogative. But I can just tell you two out of three people. And one out of 12 of these dreams is actually provable pretty scientifically. In other words, it's a rare event that wouldn't have just happened every day, like the Oklahoma. Yes. And also it's something that people told or wrote about and told someone else about before the event happened. In other words, they proved the, the premonition fairly well. The one out of 12 shows that. So That's for disbelievers. And the other thing is it usually gets people really freaked out. Okay, so if it's possible, mm-hmm. it's freaking me out because nobody ever told me about this. And then the the last thing that happens is people get really guilty. Oh, wow, it doesn't freak me out anymore, but I wasn't able to change my brother committing suicide or I wasn't able to, to limit this unfortunate event happening and people feel so guilty. And I really believe that those dreams don't come to bring any of those repercussions, but, you know, it's... If we adjust and look at our beliefs and feelings and realize, wow, we've got a very powerful perception, I think every person's got this mm-hmm. possibility, then when and how do we open up to it? You know,
4: Craig, and, uh, is it possible? He, and, you know, I was just thinking about this as you were discussing dreams. Is it possible that our dream state is our state of reality and what we think is reality is actually an unconscious state?
5: Uh, well, my experience from... Having done some interesting uh, spiritual practice from different traditions is actually they're both, both dreaming and sort of our waking 3D life, are both subsets of what I would call reality. Okay. Uh, So they're both sort of like, use the radio analogy, stations on the dial, the great wavelengths that are all possible. However, they're the ones in waking normal life that we're most familiar with. But uh, people have started having lucid dreams or maybe out-of-body experiences, astral projections, Mm -hmm. lots of different ones. They start having first-birth experiences outside of physical reality or off the channel of waking life. And then many people have dream experiences that are very connected with vivid, vivid, sometimes more, quote-unquote, real experiences of waking life. And then, and this is the perspective I say what I said from, many times I've had pure consciousness or just pure presence as my total identity with no body or no Craig around at all. And then I might go into a dream, or may, then maybe I'll wake up. But I realize, wow, somewhere, I don't know if it has the I with, with big quotes around it. I exist beyond any of the other experiences that come into my perceptive realm. So, who knows?
4: You know, Craig, when I have my dreams, and if I want to know whether I'm dreaming or if it's actual reality, I look for a newspaper. To read oh. a newspaper or to read a sign, because if I see the sign and I can't read it, or if there's a newspaper uh, box where you put in 75 cents to yeah. get the newspaper, if I cannot read the printing on the newspaper, I know it's a dream.
5: That's your way of becoming conscious within i a dreamer. That's and right. And then once I,
4: once I verify that I'm in my dream, that's when, my, that's when I start having fun, because whatever I want to happen, it happens. Yeah. It manifests right yeah. in front of you. Yeah.
5: A great tip for the listener too. And I think a specific case of what we call a reality check. Mm -hmm. Some way to verify. Because if it was obvious to know when we're dreaming, then we'd all be conscious and we'd all be lucid every night, all night, right? So we have to use a little bit of reality checks. There's an interesting story related to that, Rob. One dreamer that uh, we worked with actually used the same technique, and he said, yeah, but when I read it the first time and then looked away and looked back to see if the letters or the words were the same, He said he saw all the letters had little legs on them, and they were running back into (laughs) place. And he pretty quickly knew it was a dream. So anything that tests stability of the scenario—that's pretty good for doing a reality check. I encourage people to look at your hands too. That's another one because text might not always be available. So if your hands are wavy, odd, or extra fingers, I tried
4: that, and and my my physical appearance did not alter. And I kept on searching. I'm sorry.
5: You stared for five, ten seconds at your head?
4: Yes, you know, or 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 there were things within the dream that just did not make sense, and I tried to prove to myself in the dream that if if it reacted in a what I would consider as a rational mannerism, then it was reality. But if it if it reacted in a, w- a way other than how it should during the waking hours, then it was a dream. But the best. Best concept that I've ever had is reading something. If I cannot read something, whether you know, even if a a store sign, or a for sale sign, whatever, if I cannot read the sign, the printing, then I know it's a dream. And I'm also wondering, Craig, is it possible that dreaming is is actually another another method of consciousness?
5: Yeah, it's definitely a state usually removed from our waking state. Mm-hmm. What gets really interesting is as we start recalling more dreams, we start bridging between states a little, and then, as you say, once the logic mind starts kicking in off and on during our uh, altered state we call dreams, we can start to have what I like to call United States. We start to have, like, bridging our waking mind joins us in the dreams. Right, yeah. Or our memory. Like, that. When, when you become conscious that they do your newspaper check, do you sometimes have experiments planned, things you wanted to try out in Dreamland?
4: Yes, I do. And that's when I start them because I feel confident, I feel safe, yeah. I feel secure, and I know that I am in control of this dream and I can come back and wake up in my little bed anytime I want. Yeah, worst case
5: scenario, you
4: wake up, right? Worst case scenario, I wake up in somebody else's bed. Craig, you and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. Craig Webb is our special guest, ExoNation. Nation. It's always great having Craig with us. He is based in Montreal, and uh, his website is www.dreams.ca. That's www.dreams.ca. And Craig and I will be back for the final segment of this hour on the other side of this commercial break as we continue alive and awake right here on Talkstar. <laughs> Craig Webb is my special guest ExoNation. Craig is with the Dream Foundation in Montreal. Their website is www.dreams.ca. That's www.dreams.ca, and Craig will be joining us on a monthly basis so that we can, you know, get into a deeper investigative side of dreams, and uh, I'd love to hear. From you, the XO Nation, send me an email. Tell me about the dreams that you've had, and we'll forward them to Craig. And who knows? We may be able to solve one little mystery after all. I believe that we're all born with the mystery of life, Craig, and that we each have that little piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And if we could just get everybody to that massive jigsaw puzzle table, turn over the pieces and work together. (coughs) Excuse me. I really believe that we can solve a lot of the the mysteries that we have here in life, however experience has shown that for every one mystery you solve, 10 more come up. Craig, how can people contact you and, and how can you help people who are having dream problems, so to speak?
5: Yeah, maybe recurring dreams or who want to become more lucid, maybe not problems. Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking because we don't always have time on air to, to get to everybody's dream. But send in some emails. You can visit the Dreams Foundation at www.dreams.ca. Lots of great free articles and send your questions there or join our survey. We have an online dream survey right now on the homepage. And really one way to follow up and start working with dreams after reading the articles would be uh, the teleclass that we offer. So actually people around the world can sit in the comfort of their own home and join live once a week and sort of speak with a group of dreamers and become more lucid, face fears, move through nightmares. I like that quote you said, though, Rob. And uh, uh, Carl Jung agrees with you. You know what he said? He said, uh, somebody asked him, hey, Dr. Young, do you think we're going to make it because we have wars, political famine, unrest, uh, all kinds of trouble, poverty? And he said, well, I can't tell you if we're going to make it, but I could tell you exactly how. We'll make it to the extent, to sort of we'll reach world peace to the exact extent to which each individual integrates their own personal shadow and faces their own fears and moves through their own addictions and things. And no more, no less. It's a simple math. So I think we start with our own nightmares and our own challenges, and we're contributing to that big world peace that we're aiming for.
4: Craig, is it true, now we're coming to the end of the interview very fast, is it true, Craig, that a person cannot dream of something that they have actually not experienced or they have not seen?
5: Uh, well, I've had lots of dreams myself, and work with lots of people who dreamt with events that they never physically Experience. Probably mm-hmm. you've had that too. Yeah, you? I
4: have. And uh, where I'm going with this is, is that if that is true, would dreams then support the existence of past lives and reincarnation?
5: Oh yeah. No, well, it's a topic that I may or may not mention in some scientific circles. But I can tell you, lots of people are having experiences. Some are verifiable. Have you seen that movie, Yesterday's Children?
4: I know I haven't. But you know, this is one no, of the. that one down. All right, this is one of the reasons why you and I will have so many interesting chats here in the X Home, Craig, because we're both thinkers and we both like to to look at life as if the bottle of life is half full, never half empty. Craig Webb, thank you very much for joining us tonight, www.dreams.ca. Craig will be with us next month, and he's also going to be sending us some articles for us to place in the X Chronicles newspaper. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is The Exone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. The show is then repeated in its entirety from 2 until 6. Craig Webb's website, again, is www.dreams.ca. My name is Rob McConnell, and yes, this is The Exxon, and you're listening to us around the world on Talkstar.
1: Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.
4: Help Jews in Poverty at HelpJewsNow.org. Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit HelpJewsNow.org. That's HelpJewsNow.org.